It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am down in South Florida, and I am just happy to share with you that we dodged the bullet. Um, We are uh, just an hour east of Naples, Florida, and all we got was rain and a little bit of wind. So I am forever grateful. But for those who are on the west coast of Florida and actually central Florida and are getting or have gotten the worst of the storms, our prayers and thoughts go out to you. Um, have you ever felt like you've lost yourself or lost your way amid the constant flow of information and busyness of modern life? Do you have a nagging feeling that something isn't quite right, is missing or disconnected? Or do you sense or maybe even know that some aspect of your life is no longer fulfilling, off course, maybe even dissolving? Life's greatest invitations for growth often masquerade as unease, yearning, or challenges. Quietly or loudly, the invitation can lead to a 911 from your soul that will ask or force you to make a radical shift. As today's special guest, transformational coach Janine Thompson, a former clinical psychotherapist and highly successful, successful Fortune 50 executive, explains in her new book, 911 from your soul. Janine is a transformational coach, speaker, and author whose global business to advancing global business is advancing spiritual growth. At the core of her diverse career is a passionate dedication to helping individuals lift live their highest potentiality. Well, good morning. I mean, no, it's not the morning, it's the afternoon. Good afternoon, Janine, and welcome. And welcome. Thank you so much, Randy. I'm just delighted to be with you. And I'm so delighted to have you. And to my listeners, this is our third attempt (laughs) at having (laughs) Janine with us. The first attempt that we had, um, some very strange glitch happened where she couldn't hear what I was saying. Um, We tried again, and there was a confusion between Central Time and Eastern Time, but today we got it right, and we're so excited to bring you this show. So here we are. Okay, Jenny. So your book is called 911 from Your Soul. What is a 911 from Your Soul? Thank you, Randy. Uh, a 911 from Your Soul is a phrase that I coined after I went through a transformational uh, experience in my own life. And it was a time when the details of my life looked uh, really good, pretty darn amazing from the outside. It looked like I had it all. I had wonderful relationship with my children. I had a big executive job, the house, the travel, the accoutrements of success at least what we're told uh, externally was 
achieving success. And yet, despite all of that, there was this persistent yearning that something was missing. Something was off in my life, and I could not figure out what it was. And ultimately, um, it wouldn't go away. (laughs) Despite trying to gratitude it away, pray it away, it's just the yearning and that longing um, just got louder. And ultimately, it led me to leave my Fortune 50 executive role and go on a search. (laughs) It led me to... uh, Yoga, yoga teacher training and a master Reiki training, uh, things that I previously, 20 years ago, had made fun of. You know, I thought it was too woo-woo. And um, they always say your soul knows the way. And really that was that sacred journey that led me inward, home to my soul. Uh, but along the way, Um, I got scared when I started tuning inward and I started hearing that I was to be a vehicle for bringing um, the power of love and business into soul. I thought, uh, find someone else. (laughs) You know, that the (laughs) business world is not uh, ready for this yet. Uh, So I started playing small, Randy. And when we start hiding out, and we don't own our truth, we step on the flow of our own life. And I almost tanked my business, had some financial challenges, health challenges, and eventually I learned how to kind of settle into this darkness. And it was during that time I accessed these seven key spiritual principles I call the soul solution that ultimately became my... um, what I call it, blueprint, my daily guide for living my truth out loud and truly finding uh, the real riches in life, meaning and matter and joy and love and uh, all of that good stuff that at the end of the day we're actually all seeking. I think it's so important for people to understand that just because they have a career, um, it doesn't mean that that's forever. And I think that's more common nowadays that, you know, it used to be that you had a career and that was it. That's what you did forever. But now yes. our souls reach out. Our souls say to us, no, something else is waiting. And, and that's exactly what happened to you. And I'm sure it is happening to so many people. You say in your book, something quite beautiful happens when life as we know it falls apart, when the knowledge, skills, and abilities that previously served us work less effectively or not at all. Um, this, it doesn't feel so beautiful at first when it happens. But when we yeah. look back in hindsight, then we can truly see the beauty, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. Uh, You know, there's, I call it the pause. It's that space in between who you knew yourself to be with your familiar identities and who you're becoming. But you don't yet know who that is or 
sometimes even why you're being called forward. Uh, So it can be very unsettling. And what we're asked to do, Randy, is the opposite of what, what we're taught. You know, most of us were taught, use your big brain, figure it out, do something, fix this, move on, make it happen. And actually, in in these challenging times of the pause or the darkness, what what we're being called to is to not not figure it out in urgency, not use our head, but rather to rest in the breath of love, to rest in the breath of the intelligence of life that flows through each and every one of your listeners and to tune in to how life wants to move through us next. Sometimes that can be so hard, especially if this is your first time doing it. When you're pausing and trying to be patient and you don't know what the future is going to bring, where this is going to take you, it can be, the silence can be deafening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, this, that's why what you're telling us is so important, because it allows us, it to, allows understand us to understand that this pause, how important this pause is, and that there is a purpose for it. Yeah, I, I call it a holy reassembly, <laughs> right? In that midst, of not knowing, of feeling sometimes like your life has been tipped upside down and you're not sure who you are anymore or how to navigate it, it's actually then if we allow ourselves to be be in that breath, keep asking, show me the way, um, give me the grace and the patience and the strength to trust divine timing because it's often very different than our human timing we just want the code cracked right and yet like nature this uh, wisdom teacher all around us teaches us it's in the fertile dark soil of you know the underground uh, where growth actually begins germinates and blooms into something really beautiful where you will learn like we always learn in a a 911 some latent gifts I call them kind of hidden gifts they've always been there whether we learn to speak our truth out loud or we learn boundaries or we come up with a great business idea or we um, change an existing relationship that was no longer mutually healthy or Whatever it might be, we always emerge stronger, wiser, more compassionate. It's that holy rearranging. And in that, for most people, there's uh, a common underpinning of uh, reconnection with divine consciousness within you however you might define that in your own life. And you come to learn that you're so much more than you were ever taught or that the world 
as spouses. We learn about our true nature as spiritual beings traversing in these wonder suits, you know, of a body. <laughs> yes, I like that you call it wonder suits. Some people call it meat suits, but I think wonder suits sounds so much better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um what does it what does it mean to live at our highest potential? <clears throat> that is such a beautiful question. And the answer is that it's going to mean something different for everyone else. You know, one of the the greatest gifts in tuning inward is that you it's your own gateway of discerning your own truth, right? So what highest potentiality might look like uh, for one person may be very different for somebody else. And that's why all the roles we're asked to play in life are equally valuable. It doesn't matter if your role is serving at home as um, the CEO of the home and the caretaker of of children or pets or um, aged parents. It doesn't matter if um, expanded potentiality is volunteering or... um, gardening or becoming uh, a business owner. No one can know what your highest contribution is in life except you. You know, we're often caught in this comparison game and the external's definition of what success is. Get this degree, get this house, get this relationship, get this amount of money, get get whatever, something outside of ourselves. And yet, what we're actually all seeking is to know that we're that we're worthy, that we not only are loved and profoundly lovable, uh, but that through who we are, it mattered to life to even one person. You know, we're seeking joy. We're seeking liberation from our own very critical thoughts. So that's a very <laughs> tangential answer, but mm-hmm. I won't know your truth. But through the practices in the book, you will be guided to discern what is truth for you and what is potential for you. And I'm willing to bet in your quiet moments that most of you know where you're on point in life, where you feel fully alive, where you feel like you're living your fullest and showing up to your fullest capability. And you probably feel it in, you know, tight shoulders, a busy brain, persistent whispers um, when something in your life is no longer serving you. We usually know when we're off course. Sometimes we just don't want to know what we know. That's so true. You talk about
about um, in your book how you've been a hospice volunteer for a long time and what you've learned from people who are in the end. And I was a hospice volunteer for five years. I can really relate oh to this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yes. I, I, just, I just loved it um, when I, before too. I got real busy and, yeah. But it was a, it was a beautiful experience. And, um, but you say the lesson that you got from these beautiful souls is that if you want to live a life with no regrets, seize the precious gifted moments now. Yes. And um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, what this discovery was like for you working, um, sitting with these people in, um, right before they transition. Yes. So for on and off, both um, through uh, volunteering in hospitals and formal hospice programs, as well as informally, family members and friends, uh, I've had what I actually consider probably one of the, the biggest um, privileges of my life uh, is to be able to accompany people as they know the last days or months of their physical lives are transitioning. And, you know, I kept hearing over and over again uh, from several of my folks, you know, I thought I had more time. I thought I had more time to have that conversation I had been intending to have for years. I thought I had more time to pursue whatever it might have been, you know, something on their list that they were always curious about or drawn to, but they functioned in life and they continued with the program that were sold on what's going to make you happy. Um, so I had a group of folks that helped me learn to seize the moment, even if it was a moment we didn't want or we felt we didn't choose or we thought was unfair. And the other thing that I learned was this unshakable trust and um, awe and wonder of moving through life. Uh, several of my clients had told me how they actually saw more beauty now that their time was shorter. They could find the beauty. And by the way, many of them were in quite a bit of pain at this point in the process. But they didn't speak of that. They spoke of the beauty. They spoke of the wisdom that they wanted to leave people with and to say, you know what, your job is not going to be the thing. It's going to be a heart you touched. It's going to be a hand you held. It's going to be the words you spoke that uplifted somebody. Um, gosh, I could talk for hours. I was in awe, and I really felt like I was a student of of their love and wisdom mm. and kind of a lighthouse to carry it forward. It is, um, it is such a gift to do this mm. kind of work if, if you're you know, cut out for it, if, if it's something that you can handle. And I absolutely was drawn to that. Um, you say sometimes there's no trails of clues leading to your 911, and you, you may not see it coming. And so we're talking about, you're talking about things like um, things that arrive unexpected, undesired, like sudden loss and tragic, extreme tragedies, terminal illness, natural disasters, 
the death of someone that you love or deep heartbreak. Um, and that can really trip us up. What do we do in these times mm-hmm. when something like that enters our life so unexpectedly and we are forced into this 911 of the soul? Yes. Um, I think one of the most important things is to get support. It is not... Um, I think all of us need support always, but particularly during these times, I think it's really important. Sometimes that might look like professional support. It might look like a therapist or maybe even groups of people who had been through similar tragedies because they become a kind of an embodied um, possibility of moving through something that feels completely impossible. Oh, I like the way you said that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that for many people, uh, faith is is, uh, their blanket that wraps them and gives them oxygen and love and maybe strength to move to the next 15 minutes or the next hour. and that faith can be a religious faith. It can be a faith in the great mystery of life. Maybe it's unnamed. Maybe it's not understood. But somehow there's this belief in, a, in some sort of intelligence that is higher, um, incomprehensible, but something to hold on to you know i think that these are the times um time in nature can actually transport you when your heart feels like it's broken <laughs> and you're you know sitting on the land the earth's natural resonance and vibration can help settle your system your autonomic nervous system that feels like it's just, you know, can't come into rhythm and balance. And nature kind of helps you if you lay on your back and look up to the sky, even if the tears are just streaming down your eyes, even just for a moment through the pain, you can gaze up to the sky and there's a wonderment. There's a wow. You know, maybe there is something bigger going on here. And for me, I've had, I've had both. I've had nine one ones that I knew were coming. You know, because I, in hindsight, by the way, I had ignored the call for a very long time, and I was going to get to it when I decided the time was right. But I've also had nine one ones watching one of my best friends in high school die completely unexpected and it was those kind of things it was support it was faith it was friends um to hold me it was reading for me i'm a big reader and i find life support and oxygen in some of the sacred words uh it was nature 
who held me and modeled for me that death, birth, renewal is a cycle of life and that the sun actually would come up again, you know? And it gave me hope every single day. And that ho- that light, the light of the sun, the light of all that is, helped me remember the light inside that felt extinguished, but actually never really was. It helped me. That's so beautiful. Thank you. That's, that really gives us something to hold on to. Thank you for that. So yeah. I'm so glad I asked you that question. That was the perfect answer. You um oh, you talked before you. about um pausing and yeah. um the pause, the foggy space between where you were yeah. and where you will be next. And what is the pause about? What is the purpose of the pause? Um I think in the pause we're we're being called into the classroom of life <laughs> to unlock your own answers and discern your own truth. You are being called back to the only teacher that actually knows the pathway and the next chapter for you, your inner genius, right? And in this pause, that holy reassembly, when we don't know, like for me, my goodness, <laughs> from being an evidence-based psychotherapist to a Fortune 50 exec to, you know, a, a plethora of certifications, <laughs> high performance, Reiki, yoga, art, you know, hypnosis, um, you know, having all of those things, it's very interesting. They they actually all contributed to my success at one point. But when you're in the pause, you're f- familiar solutions, your familiar levers um, to success or figuring something out, they don't work. And I think that's by the intelligence of life. I think that's by design because we literally become open then. We become open to exploring, you know. And... um, that's where you learn that you are not these identities. And uh, it'll bring you right smack into the core of your body where this trove of intelligence and wisdom and creativity, like everything you're seeking, is available to you. But I would have never went there, Randy, if... All of my other tools were working. And by the way, they're great tools, right? All these, mm-hmm. I was very science-based in my approach. There is tremendous significant value to all of those best practices. But what we haven't been taught, or at least what I wasn't taught and most of us weren't taught, is the beauty of the and. It's one of my favorite phrases, the beauty of the and. We need... Um, We are, you know, matter and energy. We can draw from um, the practical and the proven, and we must draw from the invisible and the yet-to-be-proven. We 
you know, it's this beauty of the and. We want to use our our brains, our big brains. Uh, well, we actually have three brains in our gut, in our heart, and in our head. Uh, we want to use all of those brains, but to use them differently. Most of us are only taught about the head brain. And it turns out that, you know, 70 to 80% of information actually flows up uh, from our gut to our head to our heart. So we got to, in this pause, we get to debunk myths, things that we have to unlearn in order to truly embody more of our true nature, that limitless, infinite nature more of the time. And during this pause, this requires that we embrace stillness, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, Yes. Yes. And so what are some of the benefits of being still? Uh, Oh, my gosh, so many. Um, One, I think, is uh, clarity. As I said, you will discern your own truths. You know, it's a noisy world out there. Everybody's got a point of view, and sometimes it's hard to know what's your truth. So clarity of your truth, Um, access to that, um, oh, my gosh, this limitless potential that you are. Like, I get so excited about it because... (laughs) Whatever it is you're seeking, it's all right there. We just, we need a way, we need that pathway, the gateway to get there. Um, alignment. You know, as we, as we practice stillness, we actually, in that centered pause, get to choose a higher thought, choose a higher action, and we can show up more consistently as the best of who we are. Uh, let's see here. Rest and renew. Oh, my gosh. In this information overload society, uh, you disconnect, even if it's 30 seconds to two minutes, from the demands. You close your eyes to the constant flow and the bombardment of messages, and you can rest in the arms of tranquility and peace and love uh, in your vital life force of breath. And uh, the last thing I would touch on... What? You said access and presence. Those yes, are the other and two. Yeah, so presence is um, be present for the beauty in life. You know, if we turn on the news and sometimes even, you know, the radio or dial into conversations... People are fatigued and overwhelmed at times by heightened division or the heaviness or the calamities in life, and there are those, and we certainly can't ignore them, and we want to show up and serve in any way we can for them. But I can also promise you, you could also just be overwhelmed by love and beauty every day. Like, nature leaves us love notes every single day. Life (laughs) is reaching you with love notes every day. I want you to open them. So in the beauty of the and, you get to have the fullness of the life. And when you're full of that love and you see, we see what we look for, right? 
So I choose to see the awe and wonder and love. I also see the pain and um, sadness. Uh, But I can harmonize that uh, based on where I invest my predominant energy and focus. I just love the way that you say things. I mean, you have such a beautiful way of expressing this. Oh, my goodness. Bless you. Thank you. You're such a gift. What is, um, let's talk about what the soul is and um, how this comes into play with the 911, which is the 911 from your soul is what we're talking about. What is, how do you understand soul? That's such a good question. I'm going to share with your audience how I uh, how I understand it now, and I imagine it evolves. You know, it has okay. here constantly. But for right now, how I understand soul is it is well. First of all, I think souls are who we are. I don't think that it's um, outside of us. I think it's within, around, and beyond us. I think your soul knows why you are here, what choices are best for you, and all that is seeking to come alive through you. I think soul is that whisper of steadiness that says, dear one, all is well. Even when life seems to be falling apart all around you or within you. I think soul is when you squelch your inner knowing in order to fit in or please somebody. I think soul is, oh my gosh, it is the, it is so far beyond who you know yourself to be or what you even would deem possible for your life. And I think soul is connected to, you know, all that is, a greater source energy. Um, And I think soul is the universe embodied. I think that we are all the universe embodied. Many years ago, I would have went, oh, my goodness, and I would have rolled my eyes at (laughs) such a statement. (laughs) Life has a way of offering, uh, you know. I was uh, learned some humility only through my own experiences through uh, the, the gateway of stillness and nature, I came to understand it's a real thing, you know. And for those of you on the line who you say, my goodness, Janine, soul just, it either that word rubs me wrong or maybe I've got some history um, with, you know, how I was raised in soul that I don't like that word. To me, it's not about the word. Listen, even in, in the replay, to the experience of how I describe soul. Because we could just as easily call it entelechy. Entelechy is what Aristotle and other philosophers explored. That means a seed of potential and realization. So it's the entelechy of an acorn seed to become an oak tree. It's the entelechy of a caterpillar to become a butterfly. Well, you, too, uh, have an entelechy of realization that 
wants to come alive through you. And that is why we get 911s. And if we can hold on to that truth, that this 911, although it feels like an alarm, is it's, um, it's masquerading in the details of crisis or yearning or, or unsettlement. But actually what it really is is saying, you who, dear one, guess what? There's a greater possibility for you and through you, for yourself, for those you love, and for humanity. And right now, I'm knocking at your door because I know what's possible for you. Does it get easier as we navigate this process of going through these nine one ones of our soul? When we've done it before, we have some tools to call on. And of course, your book is the greatest tool of all. Um, but is this something that gets easier as you go? It actually does. Because then you even have the experience of the beauty of the end going, that's right. That is right. Pain and joy can can coexist simultaneously, by the way. You have the principles. You have this knowing that divine consciousness plays the long game, right? <laughs> like for me, I didn't know that when I was first going through my first 911. All I knew is I wanted it to stop, right? But right. later, I learned the br- brilliance of the long game. And the long game is sometimes we need to go through a death, a birth, and a renewal cycle in our life to help us own and uncover a greater remembrance or possibility of who we are. Wow. Okay? So it actually does get easier um, when we've been through it before. But for those of you on the line saying, but I haven't been through it before, and I don't, I don't know, you know, it, it, what you're saying is, is uh, going to be my experience. Here's what I would offer you, and it's the beauty of my own holy reassembly, is that I was given these seven principles, the soul solution, soul, mind, body, heart, gratitude, service, and love. And let them be your daily nosh. Drink in the words. Read them with your eyes. Take one tiny action each day. And this blueprint can um, help guide you to embracing the dark as a vital, necessary, life-giving life force. So the, um, okay, so can you break down a little bit more for us the seven spiritual principles and what each one is about? Absolutely. So, uh I'll, I'll maybe share a couple of the principles, and it will give your um, your audience a feel for um, how okay. they'll learn about them in the book. 
So one of the principles is called I tune into my heart to illuminate the way. And each of the principles have an earth view. The earth view is how do we view heart through our biased, kind of conditioned way of thinking about the heart um, as we are in earth school here. So we might think of the heart in earth school as a physical organ, the pump organ that keeps us alive, right? Right. And then it's going to give you a soul view. And in the soul view, we understand that the mystics and scholars actually knew there were three levels of the heart. There was the physical pump organ. There was the emotional subtle energy that we all know, the emotions of the heart, right? Uh, Great love that is like, oh, my gosh, so delicious and the best ever. We also know heartbreak with love unrequited or a love that you weren't ready to let go of, but your partner was complete, right? Um, But one layer deeper, one subtle energy layer deeper is the spiritual heart. And it is this spiritual heart that will lead you to a life fulfilled. And then I talk about the beauty of the ant. Well, how then do I manage my physical heart, you know, and my emotional heart? And then how do I actually tap into this, you know, spiritual mystic heart you speak of? So for each principle, that's, you know, that's what we do. Uh, um, Another is I direct my mind in service of my soul. You know, we have 70,000 thoughts a day, uh, data would say, or the research would say. But out of those 70,000 thoughts, about 90% of them are repetitious. They were informed by our past experience. Uh, Often they're no longer even true. Right? That's our earth view of mind. It's usually fear-based. What if something goes wrong? What if I can't do this? What if it gets worse? In the soul view of mind, we actually understand that there's a much bigger canvas. There is a much bigger collective mind that we can tap into through the heart um, that can teach you uh, whatever you need to know whatever you, or, or align you with the perfect person that has that skill set. Um, so the goal is not to live in our fear-based mind, but it is to live in the unlimited part of the mind and directed in service of your soul. Like, is this going to be life illuminating? Is it going to be life draining? What should I do? And it guides our daily actions. So that was that was two of yes. the seven. Are, two, and two of the seven. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the other ones? Sure. Uh, another one is I am love, and I say yes to leading with love. And I, <laughs> I particularly love this principle, pun intended, um, (laughs) because it breaks down, you know, it's so funny. We are, many people in earth school want love, but we make love so darn hard, right? (laughs) And we, we, 
We really do. But I really want to expand how we view love. I view love um, as Robert Holden uh, suggested, uh, love is intelligence. Love is actually intelligent. And I teach you in this chapter how to actually ask love to guide you through the day, to inform your next right action, to be really the fullness of who you are. Because I think at the end of the day, that's why we're, we're called into earth school, is to learn how to really love ourselves, like all of us, the messy parts, the imperfect parts, <laughs> the beautiful parts. I actually think that we are an embodiment of pure love. Mm. And I invite you every day to choose to lead as the love you actually are. That is so important. I don't think that our lives can flow without that. Exactly. I think so. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, but we're not taught that. And I, I certainly was never taught to ask love the way, ask love the answer. Mm. And uh, I have little practices, so um, these practices become tangible for people. They're clearly laid out, and you get to practice this because I don't expect people to, you know, it took me time to develop these skills. So this becomes this daily, you know, set of perspectives and tools and practices that will help you live more expansively, but also practically and grounded, right? Um, and they will help you live the highest expression of who you you truly are. Helps open up a whole new way of viewing yourself, viewing possibility, problems, um, and what we're all here to do. How do we love the unlovable? Hmm. We all we all have these this dilemma at some point. Oh, we sure do. You know, we're actually taught to look for what's wrong and lacking in our life. We're often taught that in the home, even unintentionally. <laughs> we're taught it in schools through comparison. Um, we're taught it through all the commercials and everything else that it's, you know, always the next thing. You're never enough as you are. So we come to have unrealistic expectations that we're going to show up as perfect in every moment. And I literally have a step-by-step practice where let's say you came home and you were really short with your kids and, you know, you were tired from work, you're trying to get dinner on the table, you got a thousand things going on, and the best of you did not show up in that moment, what you said or what you did. Later at night, you're laying in bed and you're like, wow, 
this is, you know, this was terrible. Um, and that could be a meeting at work. It could, it could be many examples. But basically, I, I take you through a practice where we get under the covers of what was the fuel for the unkind words or the short temper or what you considered imperfect or unforgivable or unlovable. And the truth is, when we actually go through the practice, what we come to discover is (laughs) more often than not, you might have lost your temper because you're tired and you're juggling too much. And maybe your kids were doing something and they wouldn't do their schoolwork or something or you thought they were making a bad choice. It was actually out of love for them. You only wanted their, you want their life to be better than yours, always. It, it has a lot to do with Marianne Williamson's quote, every action is love or a call to love. Hmm. And so all of those things that we find unlovable, if we see ourselves as damaged goods because of early experiences or you know, experiences we've had in our life kind of helps you unwrap those experiences and find a way to, because none of them are who you are. We are traversing in this vessel. We are not the experiences that happen to this vessel. We are the essence of love, of purity, of wholeness, of infant, infantness. I don't think that's word. Infinity. We're going to go with that. Um, and it <laughs> helps you actually align with the truth of who you are versus what you experienced. That there's just a huge distinction. The truth of who you are versus what you experienced. And for mm. some people, they can even get to a point, Randy, where they actually... Um, although they did not want those experiences, they did not want to be the recipient of them, they did not want to have to go through those experiences in their life, some of the greatest teachers um, for their families or more broadly on stage or wherever are people who have used those experiences to become truly a lighthouse and a teacher for others. They realized that it was a part of their becoming and it didn't make it right, but they integrated it in such a way it no, it no longer defined them. It rather became the fuel for fundamentally um, helping others live the greatest possibility of who they came here to be. That is such a great, great point. I like that. Um, You were saying who you are versus what you have experienced. Um, This is something I come across all the time working with my clients um, who have gone through this horrible narcissistic abuse of some sort, whether it be from their family or their adult relationships or friends or workplace or whatever it is. And inevitably, everyone will say to me, well, I did things that I'm not proud of. Mm -hmm. And 
I say to them, but was that who you are or was that a reaction to what you were experiencing? And that's just exactly what you're saying. It's so important that we separate that um, because this brings us to the next topic of forgiveness and self-forgiveness. Um, we need to be able to let these things go. We can't punish ourselves for every reaction we've ever had um, no, or everything no. we've ever done wrong, right? Absolutely, because listen, we are the beauty of the and. We are imperfection and we're perfection. We And so uh, we're matter and we're energy, and in that we're going to make a whole lot of mistakes. We are, we're, we're just going to. But I propose to you that perhaps that that is um, just part of your particular pathway, your dharma, in realizing what it is you, you came here to, to live out and experience this round in earth school. But we've got to be more compassionate, and we have to allow ourselves to be real. One of the things I do appreciate over the struggles of the global pandemic over the last couple of years is that I think that there's, there's more realness. You know, before I think people felt like they had to put the shiny version of themselves on social media or show up to work and always act like they had it together. That's not who we are. None of us. We are, we are one kind of being here, and we're navigating a lot in life. Sometimes we go, yes, yay me. I like, you know, how I showed up in this moment. And other moments we want to put our hands over our eyes and our head between our legs and go, seriously, oh, <laughs> my God. You know, what was that? That was horrible. I was so stupid. Why did I do that? How about just this? How about a brief reflection of maybe the underpinnings? So we, you know, there's always underpinnings when we say or do things that we wished we wouldn't have. There's feeders. We're tired. We got triggered. Whatever the underpinning is, let's learn from it. Let's create some more space in our life so we can actually breathe and be intentional about the next choice, about the next word out of our mouth, the next action we choose to take. And then I think you got to fall asleep every single night pouring love and grace all over yourself. Because the day is complete and you did what you could do. And tomorrow you get to begin again. In the meantime, um, plant some seeds of the dream that you want to have and how tomorrow will be how you want it to look. And then let the angels in, in flight during night school write it on your heart and help you show up in the next day. More is your true nature. I am going to leave it right there because I love that. I think this is the, a beautiful way to end. So what I just want to ask you, Janine, is um, if you would share with us um, how we can get in touch with you. And um, do you work one-on-one? -on -one? You, you are a, a coach, correct? I am indeed, and I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. Yes. 
Yeah, so thank you for asking, Randy, and you can find me at janinethompson.net, and I invite you to go and explore. There's complimentary assessments. I'd love to meet you or just even drop a note if uh, something struck you and you'd like to explore it uh, further. I'm also on uh, Instagram at underscore Janine Thompson underscore. Uh, my book you can find at uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or go into your local bookstore, places you um, want to support, and ask them to order it. It's in the Ingram um, catalog. But I, um, I, I love what I do, <laughs> you know, for 30 <laughs> years, whether it was psychotherapy or as an executive empowering people to live their highest truth or now as a transformational coach. It is, uh, it's my gift and honor to accompany you back to your sacred self. And you have the gift of doing this. I mean, I'm so inspired by you today. <laughs> oh. I, I just I love the way that you that you put all of this. It's it's beautiful. Um thank I you. am right yes, back I'm, at you. I was so excited. You. I was like a little kid. I'm like, yay, you know? <laughs> I get a chance to be with just another lighthouse that I've admired. So uh thank thank you for for this gift. Oh, Truly. you're welcome, and you are a gift. And we finally made it happen. Yay! <laughs> oh, my we, gosh. Thank you, universe. This was right, a right. miracle. We did it. Yes, we did it. So, um, Janine, thanks again. It's been a pleasure. And um, have a really wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Oh, thank you so much. Blessings okay. all. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.